Okay, let's learn a little Tanya. We are holding by chapter 15, Perik Tesvav. I take that back. We're holding chapter 16, that is. Perik Tesvav, which is on page 42. On page 42, chapter 16. Um, by the way, a lot of these Tanya Shirim that we've had are up on the, are up on the SoundCloud. If somebody wants to listen from a, num- a number of them, not all of them, but the ones that you sent to me, definitely. Um, so Baruch Hashem, they're recorded. I'm putting you on notice when you ask questions. You know, <laughs> it's not a reason not to ask; it's a reason to ask more. Perik Tezayin, chapter sixteen. Again, on the top of your Tanya, it's page forty-two. On the bottom in the English Tanya is, is page sixty-nine. Thank you. V'zeh klal godel ba'avodas Hashem lebeinenim. This is a great principle, a great rule. When we're talking about the Avedas Hashem for the Benini, right? We've discussed so many times, Tanya is called the book of the Benini. The Benini, the, um, the person who struggles um, between the godly and the animal soul. So what's the great cloud? What's the great rule a person always has to remember? Ha'ikr. The main thing is limshel velishlet. To rule. To rule and govern. Al hateva, on one's nature. Shebechalal hasmoli, that's in the left side of the heart. We talked about the fact that the animal soul is headquartered in the, le- in the left side of a person's heart, and that's where temptation is, that's where desire is. And ultimately, a person has that animalistic side to, to themselves that just desires and wants things. And ultimately, a servant of Hashem has to be able to rule over those desires. We discussed a number of times, it's not about not having desire anymore. That's, that tzaddik is not going to have desire anymore. But for most people, it's about just being in charge. That just because I want it doesn't mean I need it. Or just because I'm too lazy doesn't mean I, I, I can't do it. To be, to be in charge. How? Through what koyach? As we all know that it's not, not necessarily easy to always govern over our desires. So that's al yidei oyer Hashem. Through the divine light, hameyer l'nefesh olekis shebemoichai that is, shines in the godly soul that's within the mind. Again, just as you remember from the earlier chapters, that the godly soul is, is headquartered in the mind. And naturally, the mind governs over the heart. Though the heart might desire ABC, the mind has the ability to govern. And that's basic rule of life. And anything, if we just let our heart, heart's desire run wild without using our intellect to govern, that's an animal. But we have to be able to use the godliness that's within the mind to govern over the heart. Lishlei Talalev, to govern over the heart. Keshemisbeinen b'moichei. What is what, what, what's the real steps? The real steps, how does a person come? Contemplation of the mind. To, how does a person come to real controlling in a Yiddish way? See, because, you know, you have, uh, you know, people controlling just uh, for weight loss or for anything, for, for exercise. These are good things, but we're talking here about godly control. That comes about thinking about Hashem. When a person meditates in his mind on the greatness of Hashem, so to, through his thinking to create, Ruach Das Ve'iras Hashem and he brings a, a sense of um, of knowledge and fear of Hashem in one's mind. To turn away from bad. The iraisa, anything that the Torah says is forbidden. Or whatever the Rabbanon, the Rabbis say is forbidden. 
Even if it's only seemingly a, a minor Avera, rabbinic Avera. But nevertheless, when one, when one feels that connected to Hashem, so you're able to create a sense of fear of doing something against Hashem. And when he says fear in time, he's not talking about fear because Hashem is going to bang me over the head or fear because he's going to send me to Gehenim. We're talking about fear of being disconnected from that which is most special to me. That's the real meaning of fear. Real meaning of fear is not I'm afraid he's going to hit me, but I'm afraid of doing this. This act is very, this act is a bad act. I don't want to do it. I'm afraid to do it. So the fear of Hashem helps that one shouldn't do what's wrong. Alternatively, va'avas Hashem belibay and love for Hashem. In the heart, imani, in the right side of the heart, with desire and longing. When one longs to connect to Hashem, and how can I connect? Through the performance of mitzvahs, the performance of mitzvahs, the iraisa, and the rabbonon mitzvahs, and of course, Torah, because Torah, we know, is in a way of equal to all the mitzvahs in its, in its connection to Hashem that it creates within us. So that's the opener of the chapter, that the, um, the great rule to remember, ultimately, I have a mind, I have a heart, and with my mind, I should be thinking about Hashem, and learning about Hashem, and in that way, inspiring my heart to the fear of Hashem and the love for Hashem, Ava and Yira, love and fear, and through that, not to do any Averas and do mitzvahs. That's the base, that's, that's in, in a nutshell, what it's all about. But sometimes you have people who feel, they say that, um, you know, love for Hashem, fear of Hashem, these are spiritual stuff. I, just tell me what to do. Right? I can do the mitzvahs, I can, I can wrap the tefillin, I can keep Shabbos, but love and fear, these are, these are madrigas, these are levels. Maybe tzaddikim have love and fear of Hashem. But that's a mistake. If you know it's a mistake, how do I know it's a mistake? Because to love and fear Hashem is a mitzvah in the Torah. Just like it's a mitzvah to put on tefillin. And just like there's a mitzvah to keep Shabbos, there's a mitzvah to love Hashem. We say it in Shema, V'ahavtas Hashem there's a mitzvah to love Hashem. If Hashem gives us a mitzvah, that means everyone has the ability to some degree, to, to fulfill that mitzvah. So that means that even though naturally our loves and desires are not for Hashem, or for the godly, um, it's easier to um, awaken love for cake, or present company, company excluded, and whatever. But, you know, for whatever it is, physical, material things that we're more naturally, you know, disposed to loving or fearing. But nevertheless, there's a mitzvah for every year to work on creating a desire to connect to Hashem and a fear from disconnecting. And when we're able to do that, when we're able to awaken or arouse in our hearts a feeling that we want to, of wanting to connect to God, to Hashem, and a fear of disconnect, that becomes the catalyst to be able to perform every mitzvah. Because I want to connect, so I do the mitzvahs. I'm afraid of disconnecting, so I don't do the avers. That's the, that's the kalal gadol, that's the great rule. But then he moves on and he says another great rule, and this, this is really going to be the majority, really the almost the entire chapter is going to be the following idea, which is a very powerful and very beautiful idea. And something that I think, um, I think is something that many, many people relate to. And that is like this. When we talk about love and fear for Hashem, so there is emotional love and emotional fear. Like the love that one feels for something that they love very much, that they they feel it in their heart, a very powerful emotion, or there's a very powerful, powerful emotional fear. 
I'm afraid of something. Literally, if, I, if you're walking in the street and there's, a, I don't know, there's a wild animal in the street, you're, you're afraid. Your heart starts beating very, very intensely. And uh, you're very emotionally afraid. When we talk about loving Hashem and fearing Hashem, to what degree are we supposed to be able to feel that? Are we supposed to fear Hashem the way we fear if, if um, again, if you see someone coming, uh, a mugger on the street with a, pulling a gun, everyone is, starts trembling. Halavai, right? Is that what so halavai. But is that, is that the expectation? Is the expectation that our fear of Hashem should be as emotionally acute? Intellectually. Oh, so is it, an, is it intellectual fear? Is it just to understand that Hashem is um, you know, big and awesome? Or, or, or are you trying, is it, is it intellectual or is it emotional? So the mitzvah seems to say it's got to be emotional. But to what degree of emotional can we expect it to reach? Just like, just like totally, totally simple, isn't it? Like, doesn't it, wouldn't it for sure be emotional because it, it is an emotion? But, so the truth is love is an emotion. But again, if we're honest with ourselves, so so the Shaila is, at what point did I fulfill the mitzvah of love of Hashem? And it's not only that. The Zayar says something very powerful, which is, in the Zayar, love and fear of Hashem are called, there's a very, very interesting oh, Aramaic wings. word for them, wings. Oh. Right? What's the Aramaic word for wings? Godfin. Excellent, Godfin. And the Zayar says, you know, like, are you proficient in all of Zayar? <laughs> No, you, don't have to, you don't have to admit it for everyone here. It's okay, I understand. But the point is that the Zohar calls, the Zohar, of course, is, of course, from Rishim Bar Yechai, the foundation of all, um, of all Kabbalah. So the Zohar says, the love and fear are called wings. Why the wings? Because when we do a mitzvah, in order for that a mitzvah to ascend heavenward and connect to Hashem in the way it should, it has to be born aloft. It has to be brought up to heaven. And what brings the mitzvah to heaven is the feelings of love and fear that we infuse in the mitzvah. And it says, you know, the, the famous story of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov once came to a town and he said, he called him, he asked, where is the shul? And he said, he wants to go for Dada Mincha. And he came to the shul and he opened the door of the shul, put his hand on the mezuzah and turns around and walks out. And they say, Rebbe, what happened? He says, I, I can't daven in this shul. I'll daven in someone else. So they say, Rebbe, Why? She says, I'll tell you, as soon as I walked into that shul, it, I felt that the shul is filled with Torah and mitzvahs. So I couldn't daven. Oh. <laughs> Everyone is like, what do you say? Because it's filled with Torah and mitzvahs, you can't daven? No, so the Baal Shem Tov said, yes. Says, what don't you understand? He says, really, every Torah that we learn, every mitzvah that we do, is supposed to ascend heavenward to Hashem. Because if you have the proper love and fear, so the, they're the wings, and it brings the mitzvahs up higher. I felt when I walked into the door of the shul, all the Torah and mitzvahs that people have done there are still there. None of it ascended. Because none of the people here have Avavir. They, they just do, they, they do the mitzvahs by rote. They learn the Torah by rote. They don't infuse it with any feelings of love for Hashem, any passionate feelings of love and fear. So the mitzvah stays here. I can't have it. Now, only the Baal can walk into a shul and feel how everyone performed their Torah and mitzvahs over here. But that's what the Baal was saying. But he was obviously the Vasantov wasn't kidding. The Zayar is very strong about this. And in fact, much later in Tanya, probably would take us some time to get there, but when we get to chapter 39, so there's a lot of discussion about to what level do, does one's mitzvahs go? And it really depends on what type of feelings they had. 
how intense were their feelings. Does it go to the world of Yitzira or Bria or Atzilus? Very fascinating. Later in Tanya, he explains exactly where everyone's Torah mitzvahs go, where the Neshamas go in Gan Eden. It's very fascinating. But if one doesn't have any feelings when they're doing the mitzvahs, and it's just very dry mitzvahs, so the mitzvahs are for, are for now stuck down here. Those mitzvahs ultimately can be elevated through later, through shuva, whatever, as explained later. But, so here's the question in this chapter. What degree of love and fear is necessary to do the mitzvahs with in order that that should be considered the proper love and fear to have the mitzvahs ascend to Hashem? What's, what's adequate? What's adequate? And he says, he introduces here, I'm, I'm giving an introduction, we'll read it afterward, but he introduces here a very beautiful concept. He calls it intellectual love and intellectual fear. Now, does that make sense, those words, intellectual love? That's what I was saying before. Like, uh, and love is an emotion, right? So he says like this, and here's a, again, something I, I really feel that, that many of us or all of us can really understand this because we relate to it. There is something that's purely intellectual. It's not feeling at all. We can sit and learn about God and Hashem and just discuss it intellectually. Would have with, with no, you can you can discuss something intellectually that has no meaning to you at all, no bearing to you at all, right? A person can sign up for a course in college and learn about the most random and uh, hypothetical things that has no bearing on them. Theoretically, one could learn Torah and one could learn about Hashem, and it should be purely intellectual. That's definitely not love. That's definitely not fear. It's nothing to do with emotions. That's just study, right? That's pure intellect. Then you have powerful, intense emotions. When I love and I fear, I love to the degree that like just when we see something that we really, really love, our hearts beat better, stronger. When we're afraid, there's a palpable fear. So there is tzaddikim that reach that level of love and fear for Hashem. That they're just, they have a greater passion and love for Hashem and fear of Hashem than from anything else in this world. You know the stories about Reb Levi's Madhichever, Reb Zushan These stories of, that are just tremendous love and fear. That's Givaldic, if one can reach that level. But for most, it's somewhere in between. It's somewhere in between the abstract intellect and the passionate emotion. What is that? Let's say I'm, let's say I'm, I'm Yid, and I'm not just learning about Hashem for abstract intellect. I'm learning because I want, I want to learn more about Hashem. I want to relate more to Hashem. So in my mind, I start feeling this is what I want. Now, do I want it with the same way that I want something that's very materialistic and physical? Not, maybe not necessarily, because I'm not as in tune with my neshama. But at least in the intellect that I'm learning, I'm feeling that this makes sense to me, and this is what I want. This is what I want to be. Or I don't want to disconnect from this. So my, my learning is not abstractly intellectual. It's an intellect that's telling me what I want. Though the want is not yet what we call bisgalos alev, it's not revealed in the heart like material or physical desires or material and physical fear, but at least I know that because of what I'm learning, this is what I want, this is what I want to connect to. When a person learns something, he decides, this is how I want to be. I learn something, I, I learn about something, this makes me want to do something. So does it mean that I want it, that my heart is pounding? Not necessarily. But at least intellectually, it's touched me and it has touched my emotions. He calls them over here the emotions that are still within the mind. 
the emotions are not yet fully revealed in the heart. He says, it's just like you have the situation of a fetus. You have the child within the mother. The child is not independent yet. But it's there already. So we have the emotions that are still in this fetal state within the mind. So the mind learned, and I learned about Hashem, and I learned Torah, and I got inspired, at least intellectually in my mind, I got inspired. And the Chiddush that he's going to tell us in this chapter is that that level of emotion is considered Ava, and it's considered Yira. Even if it's not palpable, even if it's not passionate, but being that I'm learning about it, I'm learning about it in a way that I want this to affect me, and I want to do mitzvahs because of that. So then when I do the mitzvahs, this love and fear encloses itself on the mitzvahs, infuses the mitzvahs, and become wings for the mitzvahs to bring them heavenward. And he explains a beautiful Gemara with it, as we'll see as, when we get to it in the Perik. But that's the, the second klal, the second great rule he's going to make here in the Perik. To the next, straight to the next year, huh? Yeah. <laughs> or else I'd stay longer, probably. Logan. Great masmid. Okay, so let's let's read in a second. Yes, sir, I'll came. What time is it? Uh, 38. Okay, we have time. Yes, sir, I'll came more than this. About, about, about 10 lines into the chapter by the period. One must know a great cloud, a great rule in the Avedah the Benini. Shagam im ein yad sikhloi. Even if the, so to speak, the arm of his wisdom and his understanding, Maseges, he doesn't understand it that strong. Lehoilid to create or give birth, Avas Hashem, the love of Hashem, Bisgalus Libay, to be revealed in one's heart. That his heart should be burning, like a burning, like a raging fire. And to desire with a longing and a, and, and, and a feeling and a desire that you feel. Believe in the heart. Even if one doesn't feel that type of raging desire to connect to Hashem. You have to, you have to remember, a, a real tzaddik can feel that. And, and maybe a regular person also, but to, to feel a real a raging desire, just like any physical desire we can imagine. I think I mentioned to you in the past that the Alter Rebbe, who wrote to Tanya, when he would daven, he would be so engrossed and involved in his davening that he would he would dance and he would jump and he would bang the walls. So to the extent that he was very dangerous, he started he started bleeding many times, and he didn't really recognize it. He didn't realize he was bleeding because he was so wrapped up in his davening. So you know what they had to do? They had to uh, they padded the walls around where he davened. Like they do that in some institutions, right? Right. <laughs> so they padded the walls with Alter Rebbe Daven because he was bouncing off the walls. No, there's a, by, by Amos at Sadik, his Avas Hashem is beyond any other Ava in the world. There's nothing else that he uh, that he appreciates or enjoys. Did I tell you the Maisa? Baruch Levi Tzchik Baruch Mezhubash. The eyes open? No, no, different Maisa. I remember. I think I told it. That you had in uh, all uh, uh, all colleagues of Shabbos, yes, already jumped the table. Right, right, right. Says so a, a colleague of the Alter Rebbe was Rabbi Yisrael Berdishiver, famous Berdishiver. Not just a colleague; he was later family. Their grandchildren married. The Berdishiver was known for his passion. That's what he was known for: his passion for Hashem. And his, he would sing and he would dance and he would totally lose himself. 
when he did mitzvahs, there's so many stories about the tradition of his mitzvahs. How, I mean, this I once heard from the Rebbe that he said that the tradition is that on the day after Sukkot, meaning that he hadn't worn tefillin for nine days already, like the longest time of the year we don't wear tefillin is Sukkot. So he said the morning after Sukkot he couldn't sleep all night because he was waiting to put on tefillin. And when it came time to put it, he wasn't able to wrap it on. His hands were jumping, he was dancing. So his Talmidim had to hold him down and wrap on tefillin on his arms. Like they're doing Mifsayim. There was no other way. They had to wrap on tefillin. So anyways, another tzaddik of the generation was Reb Baruch of Mezhibosh, who's a grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, Direct grandson. So Reb Baruch of Mezhibosh was a much more um, reserved and everything was very orderly. He was also a great man, but a whole different way of serving Hashem. Yeah. Now, the Barditchever wanted very much to go spend a Shabbos with Rebbe Baruch of Mezhibosh. I think you said that. I, I, don't, I don't remember. I said that last, I'm sure I said So the Barditchever wanted to spend a Shabbos with Rebbe Baruch. Rebbe Baruch the Barditchever wanted to spend a Shabbos in Mezhibosh with Rebbe Baruch. But Rebbe Baruch didn't want. He says, you know, your way of avoid and you're dancing and you're swimming and you're jumping and this, it's not for me. This is not the way we do things here. This is, we serve in a much more uh, orderly uh, calm, collected, no way. But Bardishvir really wanted, he says he promises he's going to be on his best behavior. <laughs> he's not going to sing, he's not going to dance, he's just going to sit, mamash. He's not going to express all that intense passion and emotion. So Baruch said, okay, Bardishvir promises, okay, fine. Anyways, he came and he was sitting at Shabbos and by davening, finding that Kabbalah Shabbos, Bardishvir used to, it was a whole simcha, but he promised, so he held his sitter tight and he said the words and he didn't do anything. And everything was working fine until the middle of the meal. In the middle of the meal, the, uh, the attendant passed out the servings, whatever it was. And then, and then the attendant came around and he was asking if they want, I don't know, schrein or pepper or something. So he asked Baditcher, um, does the Rebbe like schrein? <laughs> <laughs> and the Baditcher turns to him, like schrein? I like Hashem, I like Hashem. And he starts dancing and jumping and he flipped over his whole food and everything about flying under Baruch of Mezhibosh. And that was the end of his... He, had, he, he was in Shaykh to behave for too long. And the, the Vartach, Siddham Seyi, was Baruch Mezhibosh said, he said that, that he was wearing a special garment for Shabbos, that garment that the Bredishra spilled his food on it, says he doesn't want that to be washed. He wants that stain to always be there. The stain of the Bredishra's Avas Hashem. So the Bredishra was famous for this. That you have an Avas Hashem that's so passionate. That's the ultimate passion. Oh, but again, most people, that's something for the Baditchever. So Al-Tarebbe says, a person who's not, can't have that. Rak, I'm on the line before the, uh, the, foot, the footnote here. It says, Rak ha'ava misuteres b'moichai v'talu meislibai. A person who the Ava, the love for Hashem, remains hidden in their mind and in the very depths of the heart. It's there. I'm learning. I'm inspired. But it's, it's hidden in my emotion, hidden in my intellect. The Hainu, which is, means, I understand through the spirit of wisdom and understanding of my mind, the greatness of Hashem, how everything is really like nothing in the face of Hashem. Asher Alkin, and therefore, when I'm learning about Hashem and, and the beauty of Hashem, the beauty of Torah and Mitzvahs, I realize it's befitting that all that the soul of all life should really want to just connect to Him, 
to connect and be included within his life. So I'm learning about Hashem and I'm realizing this is what I want. This is really what I want. My own nefesh, my own soul, my own spirit. This is befitting. Li is kolis love that the, all they want that, that my soul wants to connect with desire and longing. Lots A person thinks about it. I realize, you know, what does my soul really want? My soul wants to connect to Hashem. It's not interested in being in the body. My soul is not interested in you know in cookies. He wants wants to connect. to connect to Hashem. Rap. It's only shabal it's against the will of the soul. It has to live in a physical body. They're wrapped up in the body. Like a live almana. What does it mean, a live almana? A live almana means a woman who her husband is lost. But it's not, but not confirmed dead. We call that an aguna. Right? So it's a very terrible state to be in because you want to be married, you want a husband, you don't know where he is. So in a sense, our neshama is like that. It wants to connect to Hashem, but it's but it's held back. It's in this world. It can't can't go anywhere. Ultimately, as a human being, our minds can't wrap ourselves around Hashem. The only way we can connect is The only way we're able to connect to Hashem is when through Torah mitzvahs. Like we learned much earlier in Tanya, chapter 4, he gave the example of when one hugs the king, the king is enclosed in his garments, and you're hugging the king. When we do a mitzvah, and we learn Torah, that's how we could be able to connect to Hashem. So when a person is learning about all this, he's learning about the greatness of Hashem, and he's realizing that really what I want is to connect to Hashem, and the only real way is to connect to him is through Torah mitzvahs. So therefore, you know what? I'll do Torah mitzvahs. I learned about Hashem. I learned about this is what I want. And the only way to connect is through Torah mitzvahs. So that's going to inspire me to do Torah mitzvahs. Is this called Ahava? This is the picture. al is painting a picture for us. A person learned, meditated, realizes yeah. that this is what's good for me. So I want to connect to Torah mitzvahs. You said yes. I'm sorry? I think you said yes it is. So I, I told you what the end is going to be. Right. But no, this is not the, this is not the Barditchever. This is not someone who's whatever. It's an intellectual Ahava. I realize this is the right thing. This is what I want to do, so I'll do it. But he's doing it in order to connect. To connect, him. right. Like so in other words, intellectually, I know this is what I want, and therefore I'm going to do it, and therefore I go ahead and do it. So it's it's an intellectual stepping stone that brings me to doing Torah mitzvahs, because that's what I want. Though it's still not that expressive passion. And he says, And therefore, So therefore, I'll, I want to hug Hashem with, with all my soul and all my might, which is, the Tariag Mitzvahs, I'll fulfill the 613 Mitzvahs, in speech and thought and deed, which is the knowledge of Torah and Nisqalel. So a person who does this, a person who goes all through all these steps, a person thinks deeply in this, he thinks about it deeply with his mind and heart. I don't just think about it. I actually go ahead and do it. He actually fulfills with his mouth. He actually fulfills with his mouth verbally what he decided to do with his mind and heart. What does it mean to fulfill it? He puts his time and energy in studying Torah, and he learns Torah by day and by night as much as he can. That's befiv. That's with his mouth. 
He gets his hands involved, the shari varm and the other limbs. Mikaimim hamitzvahs fulfill the mitzvahs. Kefima shenigmar betvunes libei moichet. He fulfills the mitzvahs the way he had decided with his mind and heart. So here's the punchline. Haritvunazu. So this understanding and this feeling mislabeshes b'maise dibur machshavas atayra. The understanding that I had about Hashem and the inspiration encloses itself in the act, speech, and deed of Torah and mitzvahs, it becomes the, the, um, like the mind and the energy and the wings for the mitzvahs that I do, to ascend heavenward. As if he did the mitzvahs with actual love and fear that are revealed in his heart. Just like about this one. And he says in the brackets, it's as if he did it with longing and desire, with a powerful desire of the heart. And a soul that's thirsting for Hashem. So here we have this, this amazing concept that though I know very well that I didn't, that I didn't have that type of yearning and desire and longing like the Bardit Shiver, I was just intellectually inspired to do it. But I did it. I actually did it. I went to the Shir and I went and I learned and I got inspired and I actually did more mitzvahs and learned more Torah because of it. Says the Alter Rebbe, this intellectual desire is enclosed in the mitzvah as if you did the mitzvah with a full-blown love and a full-blown fear. Why? Because this is what actually made me do the mitzvah. Let's, let's, let's think about this person. This person learned and was inspired and because of inspiration, he went and he learned and he did mitzvahs. So then that learning and that inspiration is enclosed in the mitzvahs that I do. That's what he says here. Hoyil, because utvuna zu it's because this understanding that's in his mind and in the depths of his heart, he bohem, this is what brought him to do the mitzvahs at the end of the day. So that's why it's not considered an abstract intellect. Abstract intellect doesn't affect me to do anything. Right? When I learn something abstractly, a person learns, I want to learn about uh, Torah just to know the uh, wisdom. So I don't do anything because of it. So then that intellect remains disconnected from the actual mitzvah. But when the intellect is such that it inspired me, so I do the mitzvah, so then that intellect becomes the highest of the mitzvah, becomes the energy of the mitzvah. If I wouldn't have learned, I wouldn't have done it. If the person would not have meditated, would not have reflected, right? If I wouldn't have been thinking about Hashem, I wouldn't do the mitzvahs. I would just be involved in doing what my own, the physical stuff that I do. Right? And even if a person, let's say a person is a diligent person by nature, even a person who is diligent by nature, a person of diligence still, I still like my body more than ruchnistic uh, things. So by the fact that the person thought about it, and he thought about it to the degree that he actually does the mitzvah, 
And that, that he, was, he, he learned, understood, and was inspired to do, so that inspiration becomes the highest of that mitzvah, becomes the wings of that mitzvah, and it brings the mitzvah heavenward. How many wings does a bird need to fly? Two. Two. Could you fly with one wing? No. No? What are the two wings of the mitzvahs? Love, for, love of Hashem and fear of Hashem. Because in order for a mitzvah to be healthy, it has to have both feelings. It's not enough I just I love Hashem. That means, I think we learned about this in chapter 41 of Tanya. Before we started from the beginning, we, we picked up a little bit of the chapters later. So there he talks a lot about this, that in order for a mitzvah to be healthy, it has to be accompanied with both feelings. A feeling of a desire of closeness, to want to become closer, and the feeling of, of Yira. One alone, one alone is not enough. That's also connected with... Um, in this week's parsha, this week's parsha, we have matan Torah, the giving of Torah. Our parsha is Yisrael. It's a very special Shabbos to make sure to be in shul by Torah this week, because we have the the story of matan Torah. Because of matan Torah, we have one of the one of the very odd stories that Gemara says, which is on the day before matan Torah, Hashem asks the Jewish people, "You guys are in? You want the Torah? What do they say? Nasev and Of course, we'll do the Torah. Without a doubt. What happens the next morning when they show up by Har Sinai? What does the Gemara say? It's the Medrash that they come to Har Sinai. Hashem picks up, lifts the mountain over their head, and says, um, "Do it also. Take it or die. <laughs> you guys are taking this. If not, I put the mountain down on top of you." So the kasha is the question is. Tesis asks the question, what, "What's going on? They already said they're in. They said yesterday that they'll receive the Torah. So what's the need for forcing them? What's the need of putting the mountain on top of their heads? Imagine a uh, chasana and the." Uh, the, the, the the Kala is walking up to the chuppah and she goes around the chasen seven times and asks, you finished, the chasen pulls out a gun, are you going to marry me or not? <laughs> that's what I came here for. You know, that's why I'm all dressed up. <laughs> what do you think? So why is Hashem scaring them out of their wits when they already said they were accepting the Torah? So this is a famous question. Many answers are given to them. But one of the answers is that when they accepted it initially, that was out of love. They loved Hashem and they, Hashem took them out of Mitzrayim and they saw all the miracles of Hashem. So they said, of course, we love you. We're, we're in. When Hashem took the, took the mountain, put it over the head, He says, love is not enough. Our relationship to Hashem can't be based only on, yeah, we're, we love each other, great feeling. There's also the fear. Fear means commitment. Even if I'm not in the mood, even if I'm not inspired, even if I'm not in a loving situation. I just like the love between a husband and a wife, the relationship. Also, it can't be just based on love. There has to be a level of commitment. We should hold the commitment. It's a good to Listen, don't... don't <laughs> Please don't say it over my name exactly, but uh, if you're if you're starting a new minute, I didn't mean to start a new minute. You know? I don't know for the pictures and for everything. It's, uh... Hashem, Hashem, Hashem told me that. <laughs> that's the end you know, of the Ava and the Yira. A mitzvah is healthy when it's accompanied by both types of feelings: a feeling of of love and desire to connect, and the, a a realization of a fear of disconnecting, and only then. Is there the proper carefulness in making to do every mitzvah properly and the proper enthusiasm of doing it properly? The, the fear gives the, the cure, the cure necessary to be, to be careful, and the love gives the enthusiasm. But what he told us here in this Patrick is that that love and fear, even if it's not as passionate as we would like, we would love to feel that love like, like, like the Badishar, or feel the fear like we're trembling. But we, we're not there. But at least if we think about it, 
And that's enough to make us in our mind say, this is what I want. And therefore, to do the mitzvahs accompanied by those feelings, this is also considered avaviyira, this is considered the highest, the energy of the mitzvahs, and this brings them heavenward as well. So in the Mitzvah next week, we'll see how with this he explains a beautiful idea in the Gemara based on this concept, and we'll another in Mitzvah Shem next week we'll deal with that. Thank you. Well, definitely. I'm not sure if I'll be in town. Next week? Where are you going?